The reading this morning is taken from Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11, and you can find it in the Pew Bibles on page 988. 988. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethanage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, that once you will find a donkey tied there with her coat by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was broken, spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a coat, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the coat and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds then went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to God, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest everyone. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Thank you, Michael, very much indeed. You may like to keep your Bibles open. Shall we pray together? Come, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Come, Lord, and do what you delight to do. Speak your words of love and life in your power through me and my weakness. Give us, Lord, ears to listen minds to understand and apply, hearts and lives to be shaped and to serve you more fully and freely through this Palm Sunday and Holy Week. Amen. If you have ever visited the Holy Land, you'll know that to travel from the city of Jericho to the capital city, Jerusalem, involves a long and hard climb or a drive. Jerusalem is the lowest city on earth. It really is. Jericho, I should say, is the lowest city on earth. 850 feet below sea level. Whereas Jerusalem, the capital city, just 12 miles away, is nearly 3,000 feet above sea level. That's a steep climb. That's a dangerous climb. That's a hot, arid, and difficult climb. And having made the journey myself with my wife some years ago, I can tell you that it's remarkably tiring. The heat is soporific, and you go through a hot and arid desert on the way to the summit at the Mount of Olives, at which point you suddenly encounter the beauty of Jerusalem. And the vegetation changes around you. It appears lush and verdant. 
we have Jewish friends who live in Israel and they still talk about their sense of joy and delight when they get to the brow of the hills and they see Jerusalem, their destination before them. With this in mind, I'd like to take you in your mind's eye back to that Palm Sunday. Jesus and his band of followers have been walking. They have been talking. They have been listening. Jesus has been walking and talking and teaching and performing miracles to reveal the kingdom of God for the last three years. And his journey is coming to an end. They are approaching Jerusalem, the capital city, the city of the great King David. They're on their final leg, and it's a significant time in the Jewish calendar. It's the festival of the Passover, imminently. This is one of the great celebration feasts, when the people of God gather together, and they sacrifice the lamb, and they retell the story of how their ancestors were set free from slavery under Pharaoh, led by Moses and by Yahweh from Egypt to cross the Red Sea, to navigate the Exodus journey to freedom in the promised land. This is the story that they will retell together in their homes. And in biblical times, you are instructed and expected to gather in Jerusalem. So the city is now heaving with people. The roads are clogged with men and women, animals and children on their way to celebrate in Passover time. And what are the pilgrims doing? They're talking. They're listening. And they're singing psalms. The psalms that we have in our Bible, the psalms of ascent, they would have been singing as they climbed up the road towards Jerusalem and then entered the city. Why were they going to the city? To celebrate the Passover. Who with? Their family and with the Jewish people. And the central place of worship was the temple that dominated the skyline and the economy of Jerusalem. Because in the temple, that is where Yahweh, that is where God dwelt. He was worshipped through the ceremonial worship, and that is where the presence of God was to be found in the center. So the nation of Israel are gathering together in King David's city, in the very center, in the temple built by David and Solomon, to meet with the presence of God, and they're going to remember and celebrate what? Their freedom. But the Jews are not free. They are occupied as a nation by the Romans. And the Romans are understandably fearful. All those people celebrating their delivery from slavery, there's going to be a temptation for a revolt. They knew that there was an undercurrent in the city. So what will happen? Was Pilate, who is the governor appointed by Caesar, will leave his luxurious palace in Caesarea by the hillside, 
and he will come. He will cancel all leave, and all the Roman soldiers will descend upon Jerusalem. And Pilate will lead the entry through the Norman gate. He will come on a white stallion with all the military accoutrements around him, shiny breastplates, and his centurions will be dressed in their finest war clothes, and they will enter to the sound of the drums and the shouts of the Roman legions. Why? To say that the power is in town. You cannot and will not rebel, because the authority of Caesar is present in me, your governor, your ruler, and I have imperial power to ensure it. Imagine how the Jewish onlookers felt as they saw Pilate on his white stallion and those thousands of centurions coming in in perfect military order, fearful, frightened, intimidated. Meanwhile, on the east gate, a very different procession is coming in. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is coming into town through the east gate. And he will come again in glory. But now he is coming in humility to show that he is God's appointed ruler. He is coming to to his rightful place, to the temple, to replace the temple through his death and resurrection, to bring the presence of God into the imperfect present, to transform it through his resurrection, to be the heavenly king on earth. How does the king of the world enter? He enters humbly, which shows us four things about him. Firstly, he is the king who is in control. As we heard in our reading, he told the disciples to go ahead, to find a colt, a donkey. A man will give it to him without argument. Bring it back and he will ride in. So he's revealing prophetic power, the control of history. And this is the only time that Jesus will not walk but ride. He will ride on a donkey. Why? Because royalty rode. They did not walk. Notice the animal he's walking on, riding on. A donkey. What a contrast to the massive white stallion that Pilate would have come in on. Pilate would have sat high above the people. Jesus is low, accessible able to hear and engage with them. The King of Kings is visible, accessible, real. One of us. And so he approaches. Why? To complete his ministry. To bring God's kingdom into the present. And he does it publicly. Prior to this, he's been remarkably hesitant. Until the closer he gets, the more obvious he is. And now he wants everybody to know that the king is arriving. And he's arriving on a donkey. The servant king is coming through the east gate. If you know your Old Testament, 
Go to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 43. And it talks of the Messiah coming from the east. So Jesus is the king in control. He's the king of promise, fulfilling the messianic prophecies of coming in from the east. And what else is is happening? People are acclaiming him with palm branches. Why are they doing that? I'll tell you why. It takes us back to earlier times, 200 years before, when Judas Maccabees defeated the occupying Syrian king and the delighted Israelites took palm branches and waved them. In Jewish culture then and now, a palm branch is a sign of victory and of joy. So as the Messiah came from the east gate on a donkey will come back, they took palm branches and waved them to say, the king is coming. And the Romans knew this and were worried because until Caesar imposed himself upon uh, Israel, the Jewish coinage had as its main motto a palm leaf, a sign of their independence and victory. As soon as they were quashed, that money was melted down and replaced with Roman coinage. So waving palm branches is a sign of revolt. It's a sign of insurrection. Can you imagine the temperature around Jerusalem? The Jews are believing their king is coming through the east gate. And they are shouting praises. What are they shouting? They are shouting, Hosanna. Hosanna to the King of Kings. Why is that important? Because he believes the King of Kings. Coming on a donkey is a further sign of his fulfillment. Let's go to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Written 500 years before Jesus was born, when the prophet wrote this, and you can read it. Rejoice greatly, Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. They are shouting, Hosanna. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. The bystanders are putting the pieces together. The Messiah is coming to set us free. And they are shouting, Hosanna. A Hebrew word of exuberant praise to God, which means save us now, set us free. Set us free from our new slavery, our subjugation under Rome. Set us free to live in the promises that you have given us, God, for Israel to be restored, for us to live as your God's people with you amongst us. Set us free. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You are welcome. Do you see what's happening? The populace are identifying Jesus as the Messiah and they are welcoming him. They are indulging in radical acts. Imagine how the Romans would have been feeling. Imagine how the people are feeling. It's Passover time, freedom time. Will our new freedom come? Is he going to overturn the Romans? This prophet from Nazareth? Imagine what they're thinking and feeling. And yes, Jesus will bring peace. 
Not the political peace, not the economic peace, not the cultural peace that they are demanding, but the peace that only God can give. Right relationship with God. Let's look at the prophet Zechariah again. Verse 10. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem. Who had war horses? The Romans. And the battle bow will be broken. He, the promised king, will proclaim peace to the nations. Not just Israel, but all the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. This is military language, talking not of a political peace, not of an economic peace, not of a cultural peace, but a spiritual peace that will transform all of creation, that sin will be forgiven and overcome, that the peace of God, right relationship will come, that the temple will be torn down, as Jesus said, in three days, because he will be the new temple. He will be the final and complete Passover lamb that they are preparing to slaughter. The lamb will be Jesus, the king of kings, coming on a donkey through the east gate, fulfilling all the prophecies, who will by his own choice die in a rubbish dump, on a tree as was promised, so that our sins may be forgiven and peace restored to all of creation. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We're not there yet on Good Friday. We're on Palm Sunday. But I've hoped what I shared has given you a fresh appreciation of the significance and the importance of Palm Sunday. How Jesus is the King, the King of Kings, the King who is in control, the King who is the servant King, the King who is the King of authority and the King of peace. And he's our king too. Would you like to take your palm branch and would you like to hold it in your hand? And I'd just like to invite you to, as you hold it, just to welcome God by his spirit, who's been with his presence with us now, to seal in your hearts what he wants you to receive from him this morning. This Palm Sunday. What is God saying to you? How may he be inviting you to journey with him, with me, with us through this holy week? And he may be asking you a question or two. You may not own a donkey. But are you ready to give all that you have to the Lord? Just as the disciples obeyed the strange instruction to go ahead and bring a cult to the master, are you prepared to respond to God's invitation when he asks you? When he may prompt you with something surprising, are you prepared to listen and obey and then are you willing to journey with him 
the way of the cross to journey through this week. But as we walk with him together, we may know his presence, his love and power afresh. So come. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the King of kings. We thank you, Lord, that for the sins of the whole world, you came to Jerusalem and there entered your final week as the King of kings. Lord, as we journey with you into this week with you, may we be in step with you. May we respond to your spirit, walk in your ways, and live with your peace, bringing your love to others. Amen.